Welcome back to Finding Joy in the Hard. I'm your host, Suzanne Andorra Barron. On this Christmas Day, I want to share with you a story. I call it Finding God at the Inspection Station. It involves facing my fears head on at a time I wasn't ready, but I took the chance. After Christopher died, I didn't think miracles existed, but I learned they come in many forms. The fact that I'm here doing this podcast, teaching students, helping them find their light within, their strength, and more is a miracle in and of itself. What you're about to hear is an excerpt from my memoir called Joy in the Midst of Hard. The hospital I refer to, St. Helens, is a fictional name. The rest of the story is all true. I hope you enjoy it. So I want to take you back to 2013. I'd been teaching yoga for about three years when an email from a yoga nonprofit arrived in my inbox. They were seeking a yoga instructor to teach kids fighting cancer at a local hospital. I deleted the email. I had a secret. One, I didn't tell anyone, not even my husband. A secret that brought me so much shame. The skeleton in my closet was that I was envious of kids beating cancer. Why did they get to live when Christopher hadn't? It didn't make sense. Many of the children weren't even alive when Christopher was battling leukemia. Yet there was no way I could be in the same room as kids on chemo. When I saw a mom in town whose son had beat the cancer that took Christopher, I crossed the street and she was my friend. About a month later, a second email arrived from the same yoga nonprofit. They'd yet to find a yoga instructor. My finger hovered over the delete button, but before I could press it, a quiet voice inside said, say yes, it's not just about the children. My finger stilled. Could I really volunteer in a pediatric cancer ward? After I'd spent so much time in two different ones trying to save Christopher's life, I shut my laptop. I couldn't deal with this right now. If I answered this second, I would say no. Maybe later I'd be braver. Two days later, I reread the email. That voice came back Say yes. What if I tried? I thought, no, 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 I can't do it. I simply can't do it. That inner voice repeated, say yes, you need to do this. Shame was eating me up. How could anyone be envious of kids beating cancer? I was a despicable person. I desperately wanted to let the shame go but I couldn't get rid of the envy. With blind trust, I typed, I'll volunteer. I was scared, but I trusted that inner voice knew better than me. That inner voice I believed was God. It took about three months to go through all the requirements to volunteer in the hospital, checking that my titers, My vaccinations were still active and or up to date, filling out all the paperwork, doing the training, 
etc. And then that first Thursday arrived. I parked on the hospital's rooftop and sat stock still, unable to open the driver's side door. I hated hospitals. I avoided them at all cost. And here I was, volunteering to go into one, to work with kids that I couldn't be in the same room with. I dropped my head to the steering wheel. I can't do this. What was I thinking? I heard another whisper. This time it was a different voice. It said, you can do this, mom. Christopher? Look at how hard you pushed yourself to give Ryan and me a good life. You didn't let anxiety or germs or fear stop you. Mom, these kids need you. You know what it's like for them better than any other yoga teacher. I took a deep breath and nodded. I opened the driver's side door and walked around to the back of the minivan, opening the back, reaching inside for purple hula hoops. While I didn't have a hula hoop, I figured someone inside would. They could teach the kids how to do it. Hula hoops were great icebreakers. Inside, classical music played in the lobby. The scent of fresh baked bread drifted from a nearby elbow pond. Visitors pass in hand, hula hoops slung over one shoulder. I walked to an elevator bank. Still phobic of germs, I pressed the button with my elbow. The elevator dinged. The doors opened. It stopped on the fifth floor. A little girl with no hair sat on a row of chairs swinging her legs. I hesitated. Fear gripped my heart. <clears throat> Eyes wide. She stared at the hoops. I offered her a shaky smile. Do you want to practice yoga with me today? Yes, she hopped up. Meet me in the infusion room while I grab the mats. I collected yoga mats from a nearby office. Carrying four, two under each arm, I found the little girl talking to a young boy getting chemo. Do you want to practice yoga with us? He nodded. Is that okay? The mom asked. He has an IV pole. Yes, he'll be fine. Most yoga instructors would have been intimidated. Kids with IVs didn't phase me. Christopher played tag with Ryan and my sister Elizabeth in the hospital while on an IV. Let's go to the playroom. There's more space, I told the kids. The playroom across the hall housed toys, a play kitchen, and a fabric bench along one wall. Fluorescent lights buzzed overhead. Two women spoke Spanish at a corner table. A patchwork of red and blue squares covered the floor. I laid out three yoga mats, side by side, leaning the fourth against a shelf. The girl picked purple, the boy blue, and me green. We sat legs folded. I started. If you could go anywhere, where would you visit? The little girl said Disney. The boy said Alaska. First, we'll go to Disney, I told the children, because it's closer. Should we take a boat or fly? A boat, the girl shouted. Her cheeks dimpled. Okay, lean back and lift your legs like this. 
I demonstrated boat pose, bending my knees. We flowed through 12 poses and practiced a meditation. Before Shavasana, that's laying on your back at the end of a practice, we twirled hula hoops. A nurse name Kim demonstrated because I couldn't do a hula hoop. That was four weeks ago. Every Thursday, I returned with hula hoops in hand. However, I almost quit after my second visit. That day, I met with a 10-year-old girl who moved slowly and winced with pain. Her full cheeks and distended belly from steroids brought up too many memories. At the end of the hour, I couldn't get to my car fast enough. Volunteering had been a mistake. As soon as I got home, I planned to email the head nurse to let her know I couldn't continue. But first, I had to go to the inspection station. My car was six months overdue. The inspection station was a 10-minute drive from the hospital. There, two lanes of cars waited. I was directed to the left. A woman wearing an orange vest waved me forward into a large brick building. Ahead, drivers stood outside their vehicles, waiting for their cars to be done. There There were at least 30 people wrapped around the inside of the building. The woman with the orange vest said, drive up there, she pointed, about 300 feet ahead. Leave your keys in the ignition and move over to the passenger seat. What? Stay in the car? But all those people were waiting outside. Was this because I was overdue? But forever a rule father, I didn't question it. I parked as suggested and climbed over the tray table to the passenger seat. Minutes later, a middle-aged man in a similar orange vest opened the driver's side door. He did a double take when he saw me. She told me to sit here, I pointed to the woman. Well, you must have done something really good today, he said. Not having the energy to explain, I shrugged. He shifted the car into neutral and jotted down numbers. You must have done something really good today, he repeated. It was odd he said it twice, so I shared. I just came from teaching yoga to kids on chemo. He pressed the brake. You what? I've worked with animals, but never children. He got quiet, then whispered. Have you ever seen a child die? What? Who asked that? But I shared. Yes, my son. He died from leukemia a few years ago. How can you do it? My throat got tight. I know how scary it can be for the kids, so I try to offer a fun escape. We play with hula hoops and visit exciting places via yoga poses and meditations. What does your husband say? How does he even know I have a husband? Oh, right. My wedding ring. He doesn't know how I do it, but I understand what families are going through. If I can make clinic a little easier for kids and their parents, I will. To this day, I'm not sure why that woman told me to stay in the car or why that man kept repeating, you must have done something really good today. If I'd gotten my car renewed six months before, I wouldn't have been there that day. 
It felt like God was continuously placing people in my path to help me. I truly believe that nudge to teach the kids at St. Helen's Hospital was from God. Again, God met me at the inspection station. Through this man, he helped me to explain in my own words why I wasn't ready to quit. A month after the inspection station, I was asked by a child life specialist to meet a young adult in the PICU. She had AIDS, as did all of her family members who had already passed. She was too weak to practice yoga, so instead I guided her through a meditation that I often taught kids here at the clinic. I asked them to imagine their favorite place. I told them to go there. I asked them what they could hear, what they could smell, what they could feel, and what they could taste. Within minutes, the girl started laughing. A huge smile brightened her face. After she told us she was home with her brother and sister, her brother loved making fried chicken. The house smelled of that crispy fried chicken. They all told jokes and they were laughing hysterically. The next time I saw the child life specialist, she told me it was the first time that girl had smiled in a month. I was grateful I hadn't quit. Teaching kids on treatment empowered me. A yoga teacher who shadowed me for a day told me I was a natural in working with the kids. Suzanne, you have a real gift. You really help the kids forget where they are. That was what I always tried to do with Christopher. That gentle voice that had nudged me to accept the teaching position had been correct. An unexpected burden lifted. I hadn't realized how much shame suffocated me. The Thanksgiving, after I started teaching at St. Helens, I wrote a thank you letter to Rich, Ryan, my siblings, mom, and my mother-in-law, Chong. My dad had passed in 2009. I thanked them for being in my life. I shared why I appreciated them, noting their gifts and their strengths. I was bursting with love and gratitude. I should share that after Christopher's death, I held so much anger. And unfortunately, it was often directed at my siblings. Nobody could do anything right. Anger was a much easier emotion to manage, far easier than grief and sadness. I'd been hesitant to engage with families whose children were battling cancer, thinking we were worlds apart. In reality, we were the same. Shame blocked me from seeing that those parents fighting to save their children were me, and those remarkable children were Christopher. So, if you're struggling with something, get quiet with yourself and listen. In the beginning, it might only be a whisper. If you're not used to listening to that inner voice, it will be a whisper. 
but it's there. We all have so much love to share if we can move shame and anger out of the way. So face those fears, even if they're scary. You never know what you'll discover. My memoir isn't yet available. It's still in the editing stages. But when it's ready, I will let you know. I wish you the merriest of Christmases for those of you that celebrate. Be well, and until next time.